everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I am your host, Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life and doing amazing things. As you know, we come together to read in the word of God and study it so that we can um, practically apply it and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and fulfill that purpose in the earth. And I pray that you're growing into your purpose and that you're learning more about it and the ways that your purpose specifically works in your life with your specific gift mix. And so we have been studying that for the past few um, days or so. Um, and I'm not going to say we were exclusively on that, but we have had some studies on that. But today uh, I want us to pivot just a little bit and I want to show you something about your life. Okay about some of the things you're going to experience, um, whether no matter what your purpose may be, it's something that all believers need to understand about Christ and the life that he's calling us to live. And I think this is really a great, um, I would say, I wouldn't say a great story, but it's a great example of what God may do and likely will do even in your life. And that is where I want you to turn to John chapter 11 verses 1 to 45. Now this is the story of Lazarus. We all know this story, but I want to point out some really important things that we probably don't notice about the story of Lazarus. And we kind of just read through it as, you know, there were some folks that Jesus knew and a man got sick and they called him and he came late and, you know, one day he raised him up. So I want us to look a little bit more carefully at this. And I do want us to read Lazarus chapter 11, verse one to 45. It's pretty long, um, but I think it's really important that we read it because we're gonna pick out a few scriptures there. And uh, I think it will be helpful in our study. So if you would go with me, grab your Bible and turn to uh, John chapter 11, and we start at verse one. This is John chapter 11, verse 1 to 45. Now a certain man who was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard that there, therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that said he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and go you there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said he, his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoke of taking of rest in sleep. 
Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes into the grave to weep there. Then, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and saw the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, came to the grave. And it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take you away the stone, Martha. The sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoke, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And so that is John chapter 11, verse 1 to 45. 
And so we can see in that example, we read it many times, we understand the story of Lazarus, but I wanted you to see it from a full perspective. And now I want to pull out of it the scriptures that I think are really very salient for us as we navigate our own life. I first want to draw your attention to John chapter 11 verses 1 and 2, where it says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the t- in, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now Mary was the woman that washed Jesus' feet with her hair, the woman who loved much. The woman that the Pharisees and Sadducees said, does Emmanuel know what manner of woman this is that washes his feet? I think it's really key. A lot of times we just kind of skip over this and we don't see how things connect. This wasn't just any woman. This wasn't just any group of friends that Jesus knew. These people had a deep connection with Jesus. They were likely his deep friends, okay? His very deep friends because this is the Mary that washed his feet And it was her brother, Lazarus, that was sick, okay? This is a story about a woman who loved God deeply. This is not just a story about God raising Lazarus from the dead. We don't really know that much about what, you know, Lazarus did. I'm sure he was a cool guy, (laughs) but we don't really hear that much about him. Who we hear about is Mary and who we hear about is Martha. So this is also Mary and Martha's story. And so this is a story about a woman who loved God deeply. And this is a woman that he let down. I want you to understand that. In this context, Jesus not coming on time, this is a woman that he let down. And so you know it, I know it. It's not so bad when people you don't know or like or love let you down, but it's when people you love, who you know could be there for you, let you down. That's when it hurts the most. And it's for the believer that loves the Lord and has been walking with him for a while that feels like, wow, he let me down. A lot of people turn from the gospel when they feel like the Lord lets them down. I want you to understand, I wanna bring this home to you of how people respond when they feel that God has let them down, when he didn't perform the way they thought he should or when they thought he should. This is the story that proves Emmanuel's declaration in the wilderness to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because by his word alone, he called a dead man to live. You see, in this particular story, in this particular miracle, God is bringing together all the pieces of what he has said in scripture together. That is what the resurrection is. It's that powerful moment when God is able to pull forth the dead back into life. I think that is the point of even this order after uh, this, this priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek of an endless life. Okay. And I want us to look also at now John chapter 11, verse 26. And this is what he said to Martha. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is the whole gospel story that you believe in Christ and you shall never die. What do you believe in? And this is that moment if you are an evangelist um, or if you're a believer and you're going out and you are witnessing about the good news, this is the question that needs to be answered. 
whoever believes on Christ shall never die. Do you believe this? And so Christ now openly declares to Martha that if anyone believes on him, he will never die. That means never die. This is why you can't stop a movement of God by killing a man. And they didn't understand this. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, Rome, they didn't understand this because it will pop back up again. And that's literally what happened with Jesus Christ. They thought they had wiped him out, but they'd actually multiplied him because now the spirit came, the spirit that indwelt him, that allowed him to do all these amazing things, it now indwelt all of his disciples. And instead of them having to face one man, now they had to face an army of men who turned the world upside down and continue to do so to this day. I want you to look at um, John chapter 11 and three. We're gonna look at that, but I also wanna point out some things about Lazarus and his sisters. You see, these people had a very special and close relationship with Emmanuel. So I don't want you to think these are just random people that he, you know, wasted a little time to come and save. These were his close friends, okay? It says that he loved them. Let's look at what it says in John chapter 3, uh, in John chapter 11, verse 3. It says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. Think about that. They didn't just say Lazarus is sick. They said, Lazarus, the one you love, the one you like, the one that you think is special, the one that you care about, he is sick. And I want you to note that the scripture says that Emmanuel loved Lazarus. It doesn't say that Lazarus loved Emmanuel, although we know he did. The point, it says that Emmanuel loved Lazarus. And if you read this entire chapter, it says love many times in it. I think a lot of times when we read about the uh, resurrection of Lazarus, we don't think of love. But I want you to think of love because God is love. His power of love resurrects things from the dead. And that's why it's important to see that in this verse. It's important to understand that Christ didn't just like these people. <laughs> he loved these people and so much so that it's all throughout John chapter 11. I want you to know that the scripture says that Emmanuel loved Lazarus. And if you read the entire chapter, you're going to see it. You're going to remember also that we see John was often called the disciple that Emmanuel loved. And it is not lost on history and time that this story was written by John in John chapter 11 and 5. When John writes, he makes sure to note that this Lazarus was the one that Jesus loved. Think about this now. So John surely knew what he meant when he says Emmanuel loved Lazarus. Let us look again at John chapter 11, verse five. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it's not just that Lazarus is with his, his good friend, that person he loved so very much. And we often kind of make John into him the disciple. Remember, it's the disciple Jesus loved, but Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus a whole lot in that very same way. It's just that John happened to be one of the disciples that he really got on with, that he really loved. And this isn't to say he didn't love Peter and he didn't love, you know, uh, Thomas. 
but it's trying to show that there was a special relationship there. So again, we're underscoring that they had a warm affinity and a love relationship. These people were close to Jesus. They believed in him and he was their friend. This is the kind of relationship that we're all encouraged to have with God, a special warm relationship. Like Abraham could be called the friend of God. These people had that. They had his tender love and affection and favor. And yet, and yet, Emmanuel tarried. He waited. He did not come when they needed him. Look what it says in John chapter 11, verse 6 and 7. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, says he to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. He waited intentionally for people whom he loved dearly and who loved him. In fact, some of the disciples were like, Lord, why should we go back (laughs) to Mary and Martha's? Because Lazarus is probably already dead and there's danger in the region, you know, so our trip is really going to be futile. But then Jesus explained that Lazarus was dead. And so Thomas was like, well, (laughs) and we rarely hear about Thomas in the scripture, but this is one point where Thomas actually kind of steps out in the scriptures and he's like, well, why should we go? Let's all go back and die. He's, he's kind of making, I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but he's saying, well, if you want us to go back to this dead man, and the man is already dead, you want us to go back here and we know that there's danger there. Let's all go, you know, together. And so what Jesus was trying to do was show them something. He wanted them to see the fact that now Lazarus is dead. He knew that. And so it was a hopeless situation that many disciples really didn't see the need to go back. If we're just honest about what the text said, the disciples are kind of like, why are we going back, Lord? He's dead. You waited two more days. The man is dead. He was sick before. There's danger there. There's no need to go back. But there is. There is need to go back. And so they did go back. And it was Martha who ran to meet him first. I think this is really interesting. It's, it's interesting because I want you to see the connections in scripture. I don't just want you to read over it. I want you to remember, do you remember in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, where Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen that good part because Martha was overburdened with cooking and and doing things and Mary was just sitting at his feet and listening. This is that same Mary and Martha. You see, these people are showing up all over in scripture and the Bible is giving us sort of this um, sort of wide look at the ways in which Jesus interacted with people who were not necessarily disciples, but were followers of Christ. So I want you to look at what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, uh, verse 40 to 42. It says, but Martha was cumbered about by, by much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you care, are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And so we see Martha now in this moment when her brother is dead, running for that good part. She hears Jesus has come, 
and she runs to go see him. Martha learned from that time to choose the good part. And we see her in this chapter running to Jesus when she heard he was near. When, you know, we run to Jesus, that is where we find our strength. That is where we find courage. Not to say that, um, you know, Jesus is far away, but to understand that it is when things are difficult, it is when you are facing the greatest uh, hill or challenge that you need to run to him. And and a lot of people sometimes when things happen like what we see in this uh, chapter, they run away from Christ. They get angry at Christ and just leave. But I want to encourage you to run to Christ and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I won't leave you. And I want you to look at what Martha says in verse 20. She says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And I think few of us realize how poignant this verse is that Mary stayed back, the one who was always sitting at his feet, the one who washed his feet with her hair. This says a lot. This woman is under a great amount of grief and sadness. This was one who had washed his feet with her very own hair. Remember that. She was always eager to be near the Lord. And yet, when she hears that he's there, she doesn't leave the house. It's possible to be bitter at God. It's possible to be bitter that God allows certain things in our life. I think we need to be honest about that. It's not a popular thing to say, but it's absolutely important. It's the only way you're going to get your soul right with God. And when I say get your soul right, not that you're suddenly going to be in right standing, but so that you can see him right and so that he can do the healing inside of you. Because you see, she knew that if Emmanuel had come when she called him, Okay, they could have saved her brother, but he didn't come. He didn't. He tarried. So now she's care- she's tearing herself inside of the house. Imagine her upsetness, her sadness, her disappointment at him, waiting for him, but he never came. We can be tempted to hold back from God and even from our ministry and our purpose because we feel God has failed us. Sometimes it feels like that because God tarries when we wanted him to come sooner. And so if you're at that point, you need to address it head on. Be honest about how you feel with God. Don't sugarcoat it. I say this all the time. Just be honest with God because the God you're upset with can actually help you process your feelings toward him. Have you ever asked God to do that? I don't know if you have. I I do it all the time. I say, Lord, you know what? I'm feeling upset right now at you. And I need you to help me not be upset with you. I need you to help me to think differently about you and about this situation. Whatever it could be, I've been doing this my whole life. And I want to encourage you to do it because the very same God that you're upset with can also set you free. And so I want you to think about Martha that Martha in verse 21 even says, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. So this was the sentiment in that household. So that's the way Mary felt. That's the way Martha felt. These were people that believed in God's power. We're not talking about people who didn't have faith. Oh, they had faith. But Emmanuel waited until there was no more need to have faith for healing. 
Now they needed a different kind of faith. And sometimes you are believing for something and that thing passes. And when that happens, God needs you to have faith for a different thing, a different resolution. Lazarus died from his sickness, so now they could not pray to the Messiah for him to be healed because the man died. So Jesus says something really curious to Martha. He says in verse 23 to 25, he says, Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, shall he live. So Jesus said, I am to her. And that's what we have to understand. What is it that you need? What is it that you are praying for? He is the I am of that. He is the I am of that no matter if you think it's past time, no matter if you think things are over, no matter if you think it has died, it is ended. He is the I am. And he says, I am to Martha. He wanted her to know I am not only healing for the sick, I am resurrection for the dead. This is what we all need to know, is that God can resurrect anything, anything that seems dead or anything that seems lifeless. Do you see that that this can be done? And this is a question that we have to ask ourselves. And this is a question that God asked Ezekiel. Do you remember the prophet Ezekiel in chapter in Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 to 10? He was showing resurrection power even in the Old Testament when he talked about those valley of dry bones. Look at what it says uh, in verse 3 to 4 in Ezekiel 37. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord and live because he is the God of resurrection. See, God can do anything. Christ wanted Martha to know that he was also able to bring men back to life again, not just that he could heal. He can bring visions and hopes and relationships and businesses and communities and economies back together again. There is no death that is final with God We no longer have to fear the enemy or even the oppressor. God can do a new thing that causes prosperity to break out in your health, in your relationships, in your business, in your communities. Let's look at John chapter 11, 28 and 29. It says, And when she had said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The master is come and calls for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. That's John chapter 11, 28 and 29. I want you to notice that in this verse, Mary quickly came to see what the master wanted when he called. Yes, she had stayed in the house. Yes, she knew he had come, but she did not. (laughs) You know, she tarried herself. But when he called her, she came. Despite her hurt feelings and disappointment, she still came when he called. She was an obedient woman, and we must stay that way even when we do not understand what 
why God tarries. And I want to encourage you, maybe God is tarrying in your situation, in your marriage, in your life, in your business, in your community. Don't get bitter, but still obey him. I think that's really powerful to understand that God can make prosperity anywhere, but you just want to continue to be obedient. Notice in this verse that she quickly came. She quickly came. In John chapter 11, 32, it says something interesting, that when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And I want you to note that here is a woman that always stayed at God's feet in prayer, in worship, and in supplication. She sat at his feet to listen to him preach. She was at his feet to worship him by washing his feet with her hair. Yet the God who loved her and who she loved so much let something she loved die. This was the Mary at Jesus' feet washing them with her hair and now he has what it would seem forsaken her. Now, this is only a verse of scripture where we read that Jesus wept after that. He was moved by these people that he deeply loved. And the Jews actually followed Mary to where she went. And they saw that he loved them very much. He loves John, yes, but these are people that he wept about. I don't recall any scripture where Jesus wept about John. But he did cry about these people. Even the Jews said in verse 36, look at how much he loved them. The verse says specifically that he loved. In verse 15, Jesus says something very interesting, and I just want us to go back to that briefly. He said he was glad that he did not go so that they could believe. He was glad he didn't come on time. He was glad he waited until Lazarus had died. He waited so that they could believe something greater about him for their own benefit. He literally says, for your sakes, in verse 15. When Jesus called Lazarus, he called him out of that grave. But I think there's something really interesting and they don't really explain it in, you know, this chapter. I guess it wasn't important. But he called Lazarus, and Lazarus was bound hand and foot, okay, with grave clothes. But that man got up anyway and came out at God's call. At the call of Jesus, even the dead obey. And let's look at that in verse 44. It says, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave's clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. You see, it doesn't matter what is binding you or binding people in your home or in your community and in your country, wherever it may be. God can loose you. To loose means to let go, untie, or set free. That is what the master came to do, is to set us free. Remember this now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18. I think we have to hold on to these truths that Christ gives us. He says, Verily I say unto you that whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. God has given us authority on earth. I want you to check out the Bible study, Woman Thou Art Loosed. You know it from, you know, the, um, you know, the title from the great uh, series, Woman Thou Art Loosed by the pastor T.D. Jakes. But this one is about the power of loosing that God gives us. So loosing is important because it's about setting free. And I want to note something about that. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13 and 16, Emmanuel actually says that the woman that was bound, that she had been bound by a spirit of infirmity for many long years. And Christ, who had the power to loose and set free and bind devils and principalities, he let her go. And he gave us that same power. So why haven't you loosed? Why haven't you loosed? I want you to think about, this isn't an indictment or to make you feel bad. I just want to ask you a question so that you can ponder it in your heart. So let's go on. In verse 45, it tells us that many people believed after this happened. And that was the whole point. You see, sometimes God tarries because he's not just looking And he's not just trying to free you. He's setting many other people free by your story and your example. And this is why we are encouraged to always rejoice and give thanks. We have to give God glory and space to work all things, not only to our good, but to the good of other believers, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And finally, I want you to remember that not everyone celebrates deliverance. Those who gain from oppressing others see freedom as a danger to them, people who want control. Let's look at what it says in John chapter 11, 46 and 48. This wasn't our anchor text, but I just want to point out to you this fact. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? For this man does many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. You see, they were worried about their own positions and that makeshift nation under the brutal domination of Herod and Rome that they had sort of cobbled together from selling out their own people. So you see, they saw deliverance and freedom as a threat to what little things they had built. But God wants to free us. Let's remember that all of this actually played into God's plans, no matter how their fickle thinking, you know, somehow created that logic. God had a plan. And so the foolishness of their plan was to think that a man who could raise the dead would not rise out of the grave they put him in. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. If he could raise people from the dead, don't you think he can get out of his own grave? Like, I don't know that I would have thought that and I'm not trying to I don't put them down or anything, but that would have been my next thought. If someone was like, oh, well, let's take him out. I would be like, but don't you think he's going to get back up again? <laughs> I mean, you know. That's just my thought. Maybe I have a 
vivid imagination, but if you saw someone raise someone from the dead, I think I would kind of believe maybe they can get up too. And so they saw deliverance and freedom as a threat, but God saw it as an opportunity to deliver more people, okay? The foolishness of their plan was even thinking they could stop him. And the same it is for you. People can count you out, but that doesn't matter. What matters is what the Lord of the resurrection says about your life, about your visions, about your marriage, about your community, about your business, and even your children. You see, Christ never counted anyone out because he knew that he was Lord of the resurrection. That means master. When they say Lord, that means master. That means he is governor of it. He tells it what to do. He is also the Lord of the Sabbath. That's why he could heal on the Sabbath. There's so much we don't understand about even just calling him Lord. We're calling him master. He is Lord. It means he commands it, not us, not the devil, not anyone, but him. If he is master, then it means it must do what he commands, even if it must come forth bound hand and foot. I want you to remember what Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Can you believe in Christ? Can you believe that he can do abundantly more than you could ever ask or think, as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21? Remember, sometimes God doesn't want to answer the initial prayer. That's right, he doesn't. He doesn't want to answer. Sometimes he does not want to answer the prayer that you are praying. He wants to answer something much bigger because his world, his ways are so much bigger than ours. How do you know that the thing he tarries on isn't a setup for him to answer a much, much bigger prayer? So in this case, we see a live demonstration of him waiting until the feat was much greater. You see, Mary and Martha, they were praying for healing, but Jesus wanted resurrection. Sometimes God wants to do more for us than what we've asked. And to do that sometimes means he has to wait until it requires more. Yes, I know you've been faithful like Martha. And yes, I know you love God like Mary. And yes, we know God loves you like Lazarus. But sometimes, like we see with the crucifixion of Christ, he lets his darlings die so that he can do something greater than we've asked. Do not despair. God still loves you but he has waited on you for the glory of God and for the sakes of many. God is using even your tragedies for victory. God uses it all for your good. Therefore, like the scripture says, I will say rejoice. The Lord of the resurrection, Emmanuel, is with you. Amen. Thanks for joining me. Bye, guys. for being a part of the one love live love walk bible study i appreciate you 
but perhaps you've stumbled onto this Bible study and you're not yet become a believer, I want to encourage you to take the time to accept the Lord Christ into your life. I want you to know that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. If you can go ahead with me, close your eyes and pray, Oh Lord, I pray right now that you would forgive me of my sins. I will repent of my sins right now. That is, I will turn away from all the sins that I have done from before until now. And I want to seek to follow you. Lord, open my eyes and my heart to your truth. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I accept the Holy Spirit as the comforter and guide in my life. Continue to lead me. And I thank you so much for hearing my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then you are now a believer. And I want you to believe in your heart. And if you have a chance, reach out to me and let me know that you receive the Lord. There's ways that you can contact me if you look in the description of this uh, Bible study. And I look forward to hearing from you and helping you on your love walk. Don't forget to sign up for our devotional emails so that you can be encouraged in your faith and grow. God bless you.